We all have that friend who wakes up early to go get everyone McDonald's breakfast while the rest of us sleep in. This is your sign to thank them. And if you're that friend, this is us saying thank you. Now get a sausage McMuffin, sausage biscuit, sausage burrito, or hash browns. Choose two for $2.50. Enjoy a large iced coffee for just $2. Price of participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Single item at regular price. To make a rich, smooth cold brew, Tim Horton steeps 100% Arabica beans for 16 hours. What could be richer than that? Well, uh... How about blending in swirls of sweet Irish cream? Rich enough? Ooh, I guess. Not quite. Because Tim Hortons tops that cold brew with the cloud of sweet cold foam. Now, what could be richer than that? Nothing? Exactly. Irish cream cold brew with cold foam now at Tim Hortons. Or try cold foam on any of your Tim Hortons favorites. Modifications extra for a limited time at participating U.S. locations. Welcome everyone to Too Good to Be True. Thank you for taking the time to listen. The subject for today's show is miracles. Before we start getting into details, let's just briefly talk about psychic insight and how we apply it. We choose a subject and research it, and based on that research, we determine what we think needs to be explained by creating a series of questions. Then Justina provides psychic insight to answer those questions. The psychic insight is narrated towards the end of the show. Accepting the psychic insight is a question of individual belief. Now let's go through the disclaimers. Here are the disclaimers. Neither of us claim to have any expertise in any subjects that we discuss. Relate information we find through research and the psychic insight. We are always delighted to hear from the listeners. The show only lasts an hour. We don't have the time to present exhaustive research on any topic. This means that there will be information that we miss. We just want to provide a basis for the psychic insight. We don't care if a theory turns out too good to be true, as the show name suggests. We are only interested in finding out more of the truth about topics. Spirit can only relate insight that is appropriate for our time in history. Free will cannot be affected. Only comments that are appropriate for our time can be given through the psychic insight. Much of the subject matter in shows may have already been covered many times in other media. We want to look into subjects in a new, different way and be thought-provoking. Neither of us are claiming that anything in the Christian Bible is either true or not true. Miracles are strongly associated with Christian beliefs, with biblical stories presenting probably the best-known examples of miracles. We're not so good with pronouncing names, we apologize. And neither of us have any particular knowledge of miracles, the Bible, history, archaeology, or medical science. If we have misstated anything, we apologize. There are all sorts of miracles reported over the centuries. Everyone will know what a miracle is, but I think it's worth finding a definition. According to the Merriam-Webster Dictionary, a miracle is an extraordinary event manifesting divine intervention in human affairs. Logically, belief in a God is necessary to believe in a miracle, although a miracle might be defined by something, some as extraordinary event that is not explained by science. You are going to start with ancient miracles. Yes, because the parting of the Red Sea immediately springs to mind among the most famous stories. This is described by Wikipedia. Quote, the crossing in the Red Sea forms an episode in the biblical narrative of the, of the Exodus. It tells of the escape of the Israelites, Israelites led by Moses from the pursuing Egyptians as recounted in the book of Exodus. Moses holds out his staff and God parts the waters of the Red Sea. 
the Israelites walked through on the dry ground and crossed the sea, followed by the Egyptian army. Once the Israelites have safely crossed, Moses lifts his arms up again. The sea closes and the Egyptians are drowned, unquote. That sounds like a miracle, but is there any scientific evidence that a sea could part to allow a crossing? A Smithsonian Magazine article from 2014 indicates that a, the parting of a lake rather than a sea could have occurred. Quote, Non-believers typically dismiss the miracles described in the Bible as fiction or metaphor. But according to research, at least one of the supposed impossibilities, the parting of the Red Sea to make way for Moses and the fleeing Israelites, perhaps could have happened. Software engineer and lead study author Carl Drews described himself to the Washington Post as one of many Christians who accept the scientific theory of evolution. But he says that his beliefs do not influence his science. And as the Washington Post points out, his peers seem to mostly agree. The Red Sea work originally undertaken as his master's thesis was reviewed and published in a scientific journal and is supported by his current employer, the prestigious National Center for Atmospheric Research. Drew's work is founded on the idea that based on a slew of archaeological evidence, it wasn't actually the Red Sea, but the eastern Nile Delta at a body of water called the Lake of Tanis that did the parting, the Washington Post explains. Given the conditions of the lake a couple of thousand years ago, a coastal phenomenon called a wind set down, very strong winds, in other words, could have blown in from the east, pushing the water to create a storm surge in another part of the lake, but completely clearing water from the area where this wind was blowing. As the Washington Post writes, such events have happened fairly recently in parts of Lake Erie and in the Nile Delta. Drews created computer models of the ancient system to show this could indeed have happened in 1250 BC, given the parameters he inferred about the lake. The Washington Post continues. Showing up at the key moment, the Moses and the Israelites would have had about four hours to cross the lake, Drews found. Of course, there are a lot of assumptions here that the crossing did indeed occur at the lake and not the Red Sea, that the Israelites' timing was spot on, that Drew's got all the late parameters correct, and perhaps most importantly, that the book of Exodus is indeed a historical account and not a work of fiction. As the post concludes, while Drew's may indeed describe an atmospheric and ocean effect that can really happen, trying to suggest this phenomenon can explain a biblical event is another matter entirely, unquote. It was interesting that there was archaeological evidence, presumably the remains of military equipment. I would think that even if the parting did occur under the forces of nature, the timing would have been miraculous. But what is the next ancient miracle? It's about the Israelites again with the walls of Jericho. I remember the song, Joshua fought the battle of Jericho and the walls came tumbling down. Joshua took over as leader of the Israelites after the death of Moses. Wikipedia seems to doubt that the event ever occurred. Quote, the Battle of Jericho is an incident from the book of Joshua being the first battle fought by the Israelites in the course of the conquest of Canaan. According to Joshua 6.1.27, the walls of Jericho fell after the Israelites marched every day once for six days around the city and seven times on the seventh day then blew their trumpets. Excavations at Tel Es Sultan, the Bible, biblical Jericho, have failed to substantiate this story. 
which has its origins in the nationalist propaganda of much later kings of Judah and their claims to have territory of the kingdom of Israel. The lack of archaeological evidence and the composition, composition history and theological purposes of the book of Joshua have led archaeologists like William G. Deaver to characterize the story of the fall of Jericho as invented out of whole cloth, unquote. Can sound be used to cause structural collapse? Sound is a mechanical wave in air, which in theory, if resonance occurs, could bring down a structure. Resonance is when an object vibrates at a particular frequency, possibly induced by a sound wave. In, a, in an Tulsa World newspaper article updated in 2019, there is archaeological evidence that the walls had indeed tumbled down. Quote, the walls of Jericho did not did come tumbling down as recounted in the Bible according to an archaeological study. When we compare the archaeological evidence of Jericho with the biblical narrative describing the Israelite destruction of Jericho, we find remarkable agreement, says said archaeologist Brian Wood of the University of Toronto. After studying data from recently published excavation reports of British archaeologist Kathleen Kenyon, Wood wrote in the March-April issue of the scholarly journal Biblical Archaeology Review, here is impressive evidence that the walls of Jericho did indeed topple as the Bible records. Ms. Kenyon had concluded after excavations in the 1950s that the fortified city was destroyed about 1550 BC and was no longer there at the time of the Israelite invasion, dated around 1400 BC. As a real result, for about 30 years, scholars by and large have written off the biblical record as so much folklore and religious rhetoric, Wood said. However, he said extensive ceramic remnants and a carbon-14 sample contradict Miss Kenyon's dating the city's fall, and other evidence converged to support the biblical account. The correlation between the archaeological evidence and the biblical narrative is substantially said. As described in Joshua 6, Joshua's army marched around the city for a week, blowing ram's horns, and on the seventh day combined shouting with piercing horns, and the wall fell down flat. Wood noted that collapsed mud bricks were found outside a thick lower revetment wall where they had fallen and apparently served as a ramp for the Israelites, described as going up into the city. Also, the Bible relates the event occurred after spring harvest and that the Israelites burned the city, both factors confirmed by the archaeological remains, Wood said. He said the siege of the city obviously was short, as indicated by the large amounts of scorched grain found. The presence of these grain stores in a destroyed city is entirely consistent with the biblical account, Wood wrote. The city did not fall as a result of a starvation siege as was so common in ancient times. Instead, the Bible tells us Jericho was destroyed after but seven days. Wood noted that Jericho is so situated in the Rift Valley, an unstable region where earthquakes are frequent, and he suggested a quake could have caused both the tumbling wall and also the temporary blocking of the Jordan River. This, that is described in Joshua 3.16, allowing the Israelites to cross on land. Historians and Bible scholars have focused on the miraculous nature of the event with little regard for the seismology of the southern Jordan Valley. He said that mudslides caused by quakes have blocked the Jordan a number of times in recent recorded history. So the stoppage of the Jordan's flow, as described in the Bible, is not so far-fetched as it might at first seem, unquote. I think we should just have one more miracle from the Bible. 
the reading of Lazarus is from the New Testament, which Wikipedia describes. Quote, according to John 11, Jesus receives a message that Lazarus is ill and his two sisters are seeking Jesus's help. Jesus tells his followers, the sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory, so that God's son may be, glor be glorified through it. Jesus then delays his departure and leaves after two days. The disciples are afraid of returning to Judea, but Jesus says, our friend Lazarus is asleep, but I, I'm going to awaken him. When the, the apostles misunderstand, he clarifies, Lazarus is dead, and for your sake I'm glad I was not there, so that you may believe. When they arrive in Bethany, Lazarus has been entombed for four days. Before they enter the town, Martha, Lazarus's sister, comes to meet Jesus and says to him, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Jesus assures Martha that the brother will rise again and states, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live, even though he dies, and whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Martha affirms that she does truly believe and states, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who has come into the world. Upon entering the village, Jesus is met by Mary and the people who have come to console her. Upon seeing their grief and weeping, Jesus is deeply moved. Then, after asking where Lazarus was buried, Jesus weeps. After that, Jesus asks for the stone of the tomb to be removed. But Martha interjects that there will be a smell. Jesus responds, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? They take the stone away, and then Jesus looks up and says, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he said this, he then called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. Lazarus comes out of the tomb alive, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus says to the bystanders, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and saw what had happened believed in Jesus. Some went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. Lazarus is mentioned again in chapter 12 of the Gospel of John, six days before the Passover on which Jesus is crucified. Jesus returns to Bethany and Lazarus attends the supper that Martha, his sister, serves. Jesus and Lazarus together attract the attention of many Jews and the narrator states that the chief priests consider having Lazarus put to death because so many people have come to believe in Jesus on account of his raising Lazarus, unquote. People who were thought to have died have come back and lived. So is there a scientific explanation? I think we have to discuss that after the break, Justina. Yes, we'll continue after the short break, and you're listening to Too Good to Be True with Justina Marsh and Pete Marsh on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net.
the we're going family style deal. Because I want a bite of your Big Mac. And I need some of your quarter pound. I'll try your filet of fish. There's a deal for every friend group at McDonald's. Order any two classics for just six bucks. Price of participation may vary. Single item at regular price cannot be combined with any other offer. Welcome back to Too Good to Be True. And before the break, we were just discussing, is there a scientific explanation? Dad, can you please continue? Yes. In the previous quote, it was stated that Lazarus was asleep and he was going to be awakened. So was he really dead when he was brought back? There is the behavior described as the Lazarus phenomenon. The following is from Medical News Today. Quote, the Lazarus phenomenon or Lazarus syndrome is defined as a delayed return of spontaneous circulation, ROSC, after CPR has ceased. In other words, patients who are pronounced dead after cardiac arrest experience an impromptu return to, of cardiac activity. The syndrome is named after Lazarus of Bethany, who, according to the New Testament of the Bible, was brought back to life by Jesus Christ four, four days after his death. Since 1982, when the Lazarus phenomenon was first described in medical literature, there have been at least 38 reported cases. According to a 2007 report by Vida Murti Adi Yaman and his colleagues, in around 82% of Lazarus syndrome cases to date, ROSC occurred within 10 minutes of CPR being stopped, and around 45% of patients experienced good neurological recovery. But while the low number of record, reported cases might highlight the rarity of, of Lazarus syndrome, scientists believe that it is much more common than studies suggest. The Lazarus phenomenon is, grossly un, is, a, is a grossly underreported event, notes Maxiel facial surgeon Dr. Vibhav Sahane in a 2016 report. The reason for these, these can be attributed to the fact that Medio-legal issues are brought to light in cases which are pronounced dead, which later turn out to have been alive, explains. The professional expertise of the resuscitating doctor can be brought into question, not to mention the fact that such an event can lead to disrepute among colleagues. Another pertinent question that arises is whether the death of a particular patient occurs as a result of premature cessation of resuscitative efforts or the omission of continued resuscitation, he adds. Precisely what causes the Lazarus phenomena, phenomenon remains unclear, but there are some theories, unquote. They wouldn't have been conducting CPR 2,000 years ago. Does pronouncing death on a person who just appears to be dead actually occur? In Medical News Today, cite some examples, quote, As Benjamin Franklin once said, in this world nothing is certain but death and taxes. In a clinical setting, however, a declaration of death is not as certain as one might think. In 2014 came a report of an 80-year-old woman who had been frozen alive in a hospital morgue after being wrongly pronounced dead. In the same year, a New York hospital came under fire after incorrectly declaring a woman as brain dead following a drug overdose. The woman awoke shortly after being taken to the operating room for organ harvesting. Cases such as these beg the question, how is it even possible to mistakenly declare a person as dead? There are two types of death, clinical death and biological death. Clinical death is defined as the absence of a pulse, heartbeat and breathing, while biological death is defined as the absence of brain activity. 
Looking at these definitions, you might assume that it would be easy to tell when a person is deceased, but in some cases, it's not so simple. There are a number of medical conditions that can make an individual appear dead, unquote. The obvious question is whether Lazarus just had a medical condition that made him appear dead. But what is the next miracle? It is of the levitating monk Joseph of Cupertino, as described by Wikipedia. Quote, he was born a son of Felice Disa and Francesca Panara in the village of Cupertino in the region of Apulia, then in the kingdom of Naples, only in t- now in the Italian province of Lecce. His father having died before his birth, however, the family home was seized to settle the large debts he had left and his mother was forced to give birth to him in a stable. Joseph began to experience ecstatic visions as a child which were to continue throughout his life and made him the object of scorn. His life was not helped by his frequent outbursts of anger. He was soon apprenticed by his uncle to a shoemaker. Feeling drawn to religious life in 1620, he applied to the conventual Franciscan friars, but was rejected due to his lack of education. He then applied to the Capuchin friars in Martino near Taranto, by whom he was accepted in 1620 as a lay brother, but he was dismissed as his continued ecstasies made him unfit for the duties required of him. After Joseph returned to the scorn of his family, he pleaded with the conventional friars near Cupertino to be allowed to serve in their stables. After several years of working there, he had so impressed the friars with the devotion and simplicity of his life that he was admitted to their order, destined to become a Catholic priest in 1625. He was ordained a priest on the 28th of March, 1628. He was then sent to the Madonna del Grassi Gravina in Puglia, where he spent the next 15 years. After this point, the occasions of ecstasy in Joseph's life began to multiply. It was claimed that he began to levitate while participating at the Mass or joining the community for the Divine Office, thereby gaining a widespread reputation of holiness among the people of the region and beyond. He was deemed disruptive by his religious superiors and church authorities, however, and eventually was confined to a small cell, forbidden from joining in any public gathering in the community. As the phenomenon of flying or levitation was widely believed to be connected with witchcraft, Joseph was denounced by denounced to the Inquisition. At their command, he was transferred from one Franciscan Friday friary in the region to another for observation. First to Assisi, 1639 to 1653, then briefly to Pietro and finally Fossombroni, where he lived with under the supervision of the Capuchin friars. 1653 to 1657. He practiced a severe asceticism throughout his life, usually eating solid food only twice a week and then adding bitter powders to his meals. He passed 35 years of his life following this regimen. Finally, on 9th of July, 1657, Joseph was allowed to return to a conventional community, being sent to the one in Osimo, where he soon died. Joseph was beatified in 1753 and canonized in 1767. Joseph of Cupertino is regarded by Catholics as the patron saint of astronauts. Unquote. Severe ascetism means extreme self-denial, while a conventional, conventional community refers to a group of monks. I wonder if that's where they got the idea for the flying nun. 
Moving forward in time, what comes next? I think we have to mention the miraculous healings that have been reported to have occurred in Lourdes, a small French town in the foothills of the Pyrenees. This is a location that receives millions of visitors per year. The List First First website explains how it all began. Quote, The apparitions of Our Lady of Lourdes began on the 11th of February 1858, when Bernadette Suberos, a 14-year-old peasant girl from Lourdes, admitted, when questioned by her mother, that she had seen a lady in the cave of Masseur about a mile from the town, while she was gathering firewood with her sister and a friend. Similar appearances of the lady took place on 17 further occasions that year. During one of the apparitions, she was directed by the lady to dig near a rock and drink from the spring there. There was a small puddle of mud in the place, but as Bernadette dug into it, a large spring appeared. This is the source of the water in the grotto to which millions of people flock for miraculous cures every year, unquote. Can you give an example of a miraculous healing? The latest official miracle is outlined by the Seattle Times newspaper in a February 2018 article. Quote, a French bishop declared Sunday that the recovery of a long debilitated nun made after she visited the shrine in Lourdes was a miracle. The 70th event to be recognized as an act of divine intervention at the world-famous Catholic pilgrimage site. Beauvais Bishop Jacques Benaugonin proclaimed the mirror nearly a decade after Bernadette Morat attended a blessing of the sick ceremony at the Lourdes Sanctuary in southern France. The Bishop of Lourdes, Nicholas Browett, announced the declaration during Mass at the Shrine's Basilica. The Shrine in southern France, southern France where apparitions of Mary, Jesus' mother, reportedly appeared 106 years ago to a 14-year-old girl, is considered a site of miraculous cures. Water running from a spring in the sanctuary, sanctuary's grotto of the apparitions is purported to have, a cu- have curative powers and millions of pilgrims visit the sanctuary every year. Moriah's experience underwent extensive studies and tests by the International Medical Committee of Lourdes. The bishop has the last word on whether to approve a reported cure as a miracle. Moria had four operations on her spinal cord between 1968 and 1975 and was declared fully disabled in 1980. One foot was permanently twisted, requiring her to wear a brace and use a wheelchair. She took what she said were significant doses of morphine for pain. I never asked for a miracle and a nun, now 79, recounted of her July 2008 pilgrimage to Lourdes. After returning to her home convent near Beauvais and praying in a chapel, I felt a surge of well-being throughout my body, a relaxation warmth. I returned to my room and there was a vo- then there a voice told me to take off your braces, she said in a video posted on the Beauvais diocese website. Surprised I could move. Oreo said she immediately did away with all her aids, from braces to morphine, and took a five-kilometer hike a few days later. The bishop said the nun's sudden, instantaneous, complete and durable change alerted him to a possible miracle. The Lord's Medical Committee said the changes were unexplainable in the current state of our scientific knowledge, he added. Unquote. Five kilometres is about three miles. The International Medical Committee of Lourdes consists of 30 doctors. Apparently, many more than 70 people have claimed to be healed over the years at Lourdes without official recognition. What is the next story that is claimed to be a miracle? 
It's about a staircase which is located in the Loreto Chapel in Santa Fe, New Mexico, completed months after the church was built in 19, sorry, in 1878, as described by the Ancient Origins website. Quote, according to legend, which has since been made into a movie called The Staircase, 1998, the nuns of the Loreto Chapel that were there when it was being built realized at some point that they, were, had, they had to find a way to build a staircase to connect the choir loft to the ground floor. They didn't want a staircase to be big because it would take up too much space. So they went to get advice from the local carpenters, but no one could provide a feasible solution. According to the historical account, a short time later, a man arrived and offered to do the job. But he asked to be alone in the chapel for three months. And with only simple tools, including a saws, T-square and a hammer, he built the miraculous staircase. It is a spiral staircase making two complete 360 degrees rotations without using a central pole and without using any nails, only wooden pegs. The banister of staircase is perfectly curved, a remarkable accomplishment considering the basic tools that were used. The shape of the helix is not a stable weight supporting structure and without the middle column it, wouldn't, it shouldn't be able to withstand the weight of people using the staircase. When the man finished the staircase, he left without asking for a cent. The nuns tried to find him, but they could not. They did not know who he was and where he got the wood from. Ten years later, the railing was added to the staircase by Philip August Heesch for some safety reasons. Later, the manager of the privately owned chapel, 1991 and 2006, Richard Lindsley, took a piece of wood from the staircase and sent it for analysis analysis to find out what kind of wood it was. When the results came back, they showed that it was spruce, but of an unknown subspecies. The specific wood was a very strong wood, was very strong with a dense, with dense and square molecules, which is something that you, you, you usually find in trees that grow very slowly, very cold places like Alaska. However, there was no such wood in the area and no local trees grow in the alpine tundra in the surrounding area. The closest place that would, he would find that this density in trees were, was in Alaska. But of course, back then, transport was not the same as it is now, and wood was not transported over long distances, unquote. We'll have to continue after this short break, and you're listening to Too Good to Be True with Justina Marsh and Pete Marsh on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net. too good to be true and before the break we were discussing the staircase in the Loreto Chapel in Santa Fe New Mexico did anyone have an idea who the crafts the craftsman was the ancient origins website suggests that he was French quote the Santa Fe New Mexican offers an alternative explanation for the amazing staircase it said that when historian Mary J Straw Cook researched the stairs for a book she was writing she found information in an 
1881 nun's day book that a main na man named Rochard was paid for the wood. Francois-Jean Rochard, an alleged member of the French secret society of highly skilled craftsmen and artisans called the Compagnons, which had existed since the Middle Ages, has been named as the skilled woodworker who apparently came to the US with the purpose of building a staircase with wood shipped from France. When a group of stair-building professionals convened at Loretto Chapel a few years ago to see the staircase, they were shocked at the beauty design, beauty design and engineering the stairs. A couple of their comments on the workmanship after analysing the stairs are, we all like to think we create creative stair designs and nice curved staircases, but to think how they did it that long ago and still attain the same quality is breathtaking. And 150 years ago, it, was very, it took a very well-trained, seasoned, experienced master craftsman. We've been building them for centuries like this. The fact that somebody showed up out of the desert might be, might be a miracle, but he knew exactly what he was doing. Unquote. If similar staircases had been built for centuries, it doesn't say, sound like there had been a miracle. It, apparently, it is feasible to design and build a staircase that is so lightweight and durable, but the issue is that even today it would be ex an extremely difficult engineering problem. Also, modern building codes would complicate matters, but for the staircase to be built at no charge by someone who just happened to show up does sound pretty miraculous. We have time for one more recent miracle. The following is from the OD website from a few years ago explaining events that occurred in the United States. Quote, four police officers who had helped rescue a baby from an overturned car in a Utah river in March 2015 claimed that they heard an unexplained voice calling from the car. The accident occurred after a car, dri car driven by Lynn Jennifer Grosbeck, 25, ran off the road into the Spanish Fort River. Her 18-month-old uh, her, her Lily was found in her car seat upside down just above the frigid water and had been there for at least 12 hours. First responders on the scene, including police officers Tyler Beddows, told CBS affiliates KUTV that someone said, help me from inside that, that car. It wasn't just in our heads, Officer Jared Warner confirmed. To me, it was plain as day. I remember hearing a voice that didn't sound like a child just saying, help me. Firefighters said they heard it too. All were em emphatic that the voice came from the vehicle. It looks as if no one could have survived, but the voice prompted us to lift the car between the three officers and firemen, Police Lieutenant Matt Johnson said. Johnson confirmed the voice could not have come from 25-year-old Lynn Jennifer Goosebeck, who was dead and most likely killed on impact. The baby was in a car seat in the back seat of the on the passenger side. The water was so cold that, that the rescue crew members could only stay in for short periods of time. After a firefighter jumped into the river, into the river to cut, off, cut the infant free, the first responders formed a relay and handed her from one person to the next until she was ashore and able to get care. Authorities don't know how the girls survived hanging upside down for 14 hours in freezing temperatures with no food or water and skimpy clothing, let alone how to explain the voice that all the rescuers heard. Little Lydia has made a full recovery and is back with her family. It's a miracle, Bellows told the station's news crew. She was needed for sure elsewhere, unquote. That's wonderful a baby was saved. It may have been a miracle in itself that Lily was still alive, 
after hanging upside down for more than 12 hours in the frigid cold. But what if you need a miracle? How can you make it happen? There's a lot of advice available, including mention of the law of attraction, which is based on the belief that positive or negative thoughts bring positive or negative experiences into a person's life. So think positively and good things may happen. I don't think there is a downside for positive thinking. With that, it's time for the first question. Starting with the miracle of the parting of the Red Sea, did Moses hold out his staff directing the waters to open up to form a path? Yes. Did the Israelites walk through on the dry ground to cross what had been covered in water, followed by the Egyptian army? Yes. Once the Israelites had crossed, safely crossed, did Moses lift his arms with the Egyptians being drowned as the water closed in? Yes. Rather than being the Red Sea, was the water that parted at the eastern Nile Delta at a body of water called the Lake of Tanis? The story is believed to have happened, but there are many different places it could have occurred since the land was different back then. There was archaeological evidence found at that location, so was where Lake Tanis is now a possibility? Correct, yes. So the face of the land has changed since those days? Yes. Did a wind set down occur with very strong winds blowing in from the east, pushing the water to create a storm surge in another part of the lake, but completely clearing water from the area where the wind was blowing? That could be said, yes. Have similar events occurred in modern times in parts of Lake Erie and in the Nile Delta? Yes, that's correct. Based on modern analysis, including computer modelling, did Moses and the Israelites have about four hours to cross the lake? Closer to three, but around there, yes. Even if the basis of the story were a natural event, was the perfect timing for the Israelites to escape a miracle? Yes, it was, and also Moses took advantage of the situation and made it so the timing would be perfect. Changing subject to the Battle of Jericho, was the story a complete invention? If so, by which individual? It was passed on from person to person, so it wasn't one person making up a story, but a bunch of smaller stories put together. Did the walls fall after the Israelites marched every day once for six days? around the city and seven times on the seventh day, then blowing their trumpets. Yes. Could sound be used to destroy walls? In theory, yes. As was thought in the 1950s, did the walls topple with the fortified city being destroyed around 1550 BC? That could be sad, yes. As was also believed in the 1950s, was the city in its state of destruction when the Israelites invaded sometime after 1400 BC? Partial destruction could be said, yes. Was the timing correct in being sometime after 1400 BC? Yes, it was. Is the University of Toronto correct in that the more recent archaeological evidence and the biblical account are consistent? That could be said again, yes. Did an earthquake bring down the walls of Jericho? Not really an earthquake. It was basically a combination of different factors, including the construction of the walls, which are bound to fall eventually, strong winds, and also human intervention. Was the stoppage of the River Jordan's flow, as described in the Bible, a natural event? No. Is there anything else you can say about the Battle of Jericho? 
basically there's a lot more to the story. So there are many factors and a lot of information that is still missing. Will missing information be discovered in the future? Slowly, yes. Changing subject to the raising of Lazarus, did Jesus receive a message that Lazarus was ill? Yes. Why did Jesus state that the sickness would not end in death and that Lazarus was only asleep and that he was going to awaken him? That's what his intuition told him. Why did Martha, Lazarus' sister, have to say that she, was, she believed in Jesus and being assured that her brother would rise again? Basically, the belief in Jesus, so the belief that the healing would work. When the stone of the tomb was removed after being reassured, why did Martha think her brother's body was decomposing after death? That's what it looked like to her. Did Lazarus walk out of the tomb when beckoned in a loud voice by Jesus? Yes. If Lazarus re really wasn't really dead for four days, why was America presented as raising a dead person? There are many cases, even in modern times, where someone appears to be dead when they are actually not. For the Lazarus phenomenon, is CPR necessary to have been conducted on the patient for spontaneous circulation to occur due to the heart restarting? No, there are cases when a person just appears to be alive again without any other intervention. Will the Lazarus phenomenon be understood by medical science within the next 10 years? It's possible, but again, it depends on what medical science decides to focus on. Why is clinical death is defined by the absence of a pulse, heartbeat, and breathing, not always a true indicator that a person is actually dead? Again, it really depends on the person, and these factors are true for most people, but some people can go into other almost sleep-like stages to where none of these can be found. So some bodies just have different means of being more in this dead-like state. Why is biological death is defined by the absence of brain activity, not always a true indicator that a person is actually dead. Again, there is a lot more to understand about the brain. So in certain cases, people can appear to not have brain activity when they actually do. Did Lazarus have a medical condition that made him appear to be dead? No, he did not. So was Lazarus actually raised back from the dead? No, it wasn't as could be defined by a medical condition. But that was the state that his body was in. So he wasn't dead, he wasn't alive, he was more or less in between. What else can you say about the raising of Lazarus? Again, many people have been pronounced dead, but actually are not dead. So this isn't something that only happened back then, but is also something that still happens today. Changing subject to Joseph of Cupertino, was he born in a stable? Yes. Why did he become the object of scores for experiencing aesthetic visions as a child and throughout his life? Basically, that was just what was on his life chart. So it was basically chosen for him to be that way. What did he see during his ecstatic visions? Many different things. So visions of the past, visions of the future, different plans, different ideas. Why did Joseph have frequent outbursts of anger throughout his life? He didn't know how to deal with his emotions, so all of his emotions turned into this anger. Why did the occasions of ecstasy in Joseph's life begin, begin to multiply? The stress and just the outside influences. Did Joseph begin to levitate while participating at Mass or joining the community for a divine office? Yes. 
Why was his levitation seen as disruptive when with Joseph being confined to a small cell while being forbidden from joining in any public gathering? Because people were scared and they didn't know how to handle it. Did he practice self-denial for 35 years of his life, only eating solid food twice a week while adding bitter powders to his meals? Yes. Why did Joseph die soon after returning to a conventual community? That was just on his life path, so, so it was just his time. Does Joseph, as the patron saint of astronauts, assist space travel from beyond the grave? Some people believe that, yes, so that could be said. What else can you say about Joseph of Cupertino? That some people are just born with different abilities that a lot of people don't understand. And also many people do push their bodies to the absolute limits, which can also cause strange effects on the body. Changing subject to Lourdes, the apparitions of Our Lady begin on April 11, 1858, witnessed by Bernadette Subaros. Yes. Were there 17 further apparitions? Yes. Was Bernadette Subaros directed during an apparition to dig near a rock and drink from the spring that appeared there? Yes. Does the water from that spring have healing powers? No, it was just some wellspring. Regarding the 70th recognized miracle associated with Lourdes, did Bernadette Moriai, a long debilitated nun, attend the blessing of the sixth ceremony at Lourdes? Yes, she did. I think we'll have to go into the break now, Justina. Yes, we'll continue after the short break, and you're listening to Too Good to Be True with Justina Marsh and Pete Marsh on the X Zone Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net. Welcome back to Too Good to Be True. And before the break, we are going through the questions and psychic insight about miracles. Dad, can you please continue with the questions? Yes. Did Bernadette Morio have four operations on her spinal column between 1968 and 1975, being declared fully disabled in 1980? That's correct, yes. After returning to her home convent and praying in the chapel, did she feel a surge of well-being throughout her body? Yes. When she returned to her room, did a voice tell her to take off her braces? That's what she thought happened, yes. Was she then able to move, being able to do away with all her aids from braces to morphine while taking a five-kilometer hike a few days later? Yes, she did take the hike and took off her braces. Is there any other explanation than the recovery being miraculous? No, there's not. In this case, it's just a miraculous recovery, which is able to do the impossible. You said that she did the impossible. Was she instrumental in her own miracle? Yes. Why was Bernadette Mario healed when many others are not? Again, it just depends on the person. So again, it depends on their willpower, the state of their body, and many other factors. So in many cases, it's just randomized. 
How many more than 70 people have been held over the years at Lourdes, but without official recognition? There have been many more people healed, yes. What else can you say about Bernadette Subaros, the apparitions that appeared, and the miracles that have occurred following pilgrimages to Lourdes? A lot of those have taken willpower and strength from the actual people as well. So it's a miracle, but it's also where it's almost a self-fulfilling prophecy, where the people push themselves into being able to be healed. Changing subject to the staircase located in the Loreto Chapel in Santa Fe, New Mexico, why couldn't local carpenters find a feasible solution to connect the choir loft to the ground floor? Basically, it just seemed very difficult to them, so they couldn't figure out a solution. Did a craftsman arrive and offer to do the job, asking to be alone in the chapel for three months? Yes. How did the craftsman learn about the need for a very difficult staircase in the newly built church? He was watching them from afar. With only simple tools, including a saw, T-square and a hammer, did he build the staircase? Yes. How was the staircase built with two complete 360-degree rotations without using a central pole and without using any nails, but only wooden pegs? He was very intelligent and was perfect at his craft. Why did the craftsman leave without asking for any payment? He wanted to have his work seek for itself, so he didn't care about recognition. Was the wood used in the staircase a form of dense fruits that grew in a cold climate? Yes. Where did the wood originate from? Was it shipped from France? Yes, it was. Was the craftsman actually Francois Jean, Jean Rochard, an alleged member of the French Secret Society of highly skilled craftsmen and artisans called the Companions, which had existed since the Middle Ages? It was not him specifically, but it was someone related to the society, yes. Was the craftsman paid for supplying the wood? No. So he supplied the wood himself? Correct. Had similar spiral staircases been built for centuries, indicating that the spiral staircase in the chapel was not miraculous? Yes and no. It's more miraculous they can be built at all, and that these craftsmen can be so skilled at their work. But it is something that certain people can build, yes. Was the craftsman turning up at the right place at the right time and working for no payment for three months the real miracle? Yes, where some people just want to do good deeds. So sometimes there's no outcome or no award for their work. They just want to have their work. And for him, it was like art where it represented him and who he was. What else can you say about the spiral staircase in the Loretto Chapel? And there are many skilled workers out there, so especially with architecture and building. There are many people who just know what they are doing and have an eye for it. Changing subject to the March 2015 incident of the rescue of an 18-month-old from an upturned car in a Spanish Fort River. Did first responders, including four police officers, help with the rescue? Yes. Had the 18-month-old Lily had been been upside down in a car seat just above the frigid river water in the upturned car for at least 12 hours? Yes, that's correct, but closer to almost 14 hours. Did the first responders hear a voice saying, help me, from inside that car? Yes. Was it an adult voice? Yes, it was an adult. Had Lily's mother been killed on impact? Yes. Whose voice said, help me? Our guardian angel. How could Lily survive for almost 14 hours without warm clothes in the cold and not dying from hypothermia? 
Was that a miracle? Yes, it was. Was it on Lily's life path to survive? Yes, it was not her time for her to die. Was it on Lily's mother's life path not to survive that day? Not that exact day, but around that time, yes. And she would have easily given her life for her child. Do miracles like Lily's survival occur every day somewhere in the world? Yes. What else can you say about a miracle of Lily's survival? That there are many people who are close to death who somehow survive. So there are many miracles where life is not taken and people are rescued. So again, it goes back to making sure you continue to have hope as much as you can to survive and just have this hope that help is coming. What can you say about a law of attraction and belief that positive thoughts bring positive experiences into a person's life? It's always good to be positive, but again, even if you are the most positive person, negative events are going to occur. But if you are positive, if your whole energy, your overall everything about you is different, and you attract more people who are more like-minded, which is usually more positive people. What more can you say about miracles in general? Then again, they happen all the time. A lot of them are just not recognized. So in the age of social media, there's a lot more that can be caught on camera where these miracles are filmed and recorded. And again, it goes back to strange things are going to happen in the world, and they don't always have explanations. That was the last answer. Are miracles occurring every day all over the world? Too good to be true. That depends on what you are prepared to believe. Seems we have some time for something of a wrap-up. Let's see how far we can get. We started with a definition for a miracle being an extraordinary event manifesting divine intervention in human affairs. And that seems to fit in well with the parting of the Red Sea. Whether it was a parting of a sea or lake, or whichever geographical feature it was at the time, there is a modern scientific explanation of how the waters could have parted, along with an apparently reliable estimate of how long they could have could have remained parted. There are also more well, also modern examples of waters parting apparently in a similar manner, so the scientific explanation does hold up. What really is fascinating is how the timing was perfect for the Israelites to pass through while the Egyptians in pursuit were engulfed and drowned. According to the psychic insight, it was Moses taking advantage of the situation and made it so the timing would be perfect. Moses must have somehow known the exact time to start crossing. The Battle of Jericho seems to be based on a series of events over time. The first reference we discussed suggesting that the walls tumbled down was just a work of fiction. It's good to provide balance, but science moves on. Today's scientific proof may be tomorrow's misconception. Science is an ongoing process. The psychic insight concludes that there's a lot more to the story, with many factors and a lot of information still missing. I think that a reason for opinions being divided over whether the walls could have been brought down by whichever factors is that the city of Jericho was apparently partially destroyed around 1550 BC, while around 1400 BC, the invading Israelites apparently helped to complete the destruction by bringing down the walls. I think we have to acknowledge the work of the archaeologists in trying to find out the sequence of events. Again, the real miracle seems to be in the timing. It would be good to know if the human intervention was more than marching around the walls and just blowing their trumpets. Then we have the story of, the, of Lazarus. The psychic insight concludes that Lazarus wasn't alive or dead, but it was more or less in between. 
Yeah, it does seem that modern medical science has an entirely completely different understanding of a small proportion of people may actually be alive, but actually look like they're dead and have the appearance of being dead. Doctors work for vital signs. If those signs are not present, a logical and scientific explanation is that death has occurred. So please don't blame the doctor if the patient returns to having a heartbeat and breathing, if in fact the patient was previously in a state of being in between life and death. What can we say about Joseph of Carpentino? I didn't come across any source that claimed those stories are a work of fiction. The Wikipedia article on Joseph is written in a factual manner. manner. It includes a statement that he was remarkably unclever. He would have had to have been very brilliant illusionist to have faked the levitation. I had to chuckle when I read that Joseph Cupertino is the patron saint of astronauts. You have to be extremely gifted and intelligent to join that profession and not remarkably unclever. For Lourdes and the miracles that are associated with it, the story of Bernadette Maria's recovery from being severely handicapped to going on a five-kilometer hike in just a few days is incredible. The Psychic Insight concludes that Bernadette was instrumental in her own miracle, with presumably her belief that miraculous cures are possible, making the the impossible possible. Yes, that seems similar to the story of Lazarus' belief was involved. From the psychic inside, Martha's Lazarus sister had to confirm her belief in Jesus to have belief that the healing would work. The story of the staircase in the Loretta Chapel may have been very well researched to have been made into a movie. It's great that you can just put the word staircase in Loretta Chapel into a web browser and see pictures. If you do that, the pictures of the staircase are stunning. It's really difficult to believe that a single individual with simple tools could create something so functional and beautiful that, in my opinion, looks impossible. It almost looks like an optical illusion. The craftsman showing up at the right time, not asking for payment for materials or for his three months of labor, is really a miracle. That leaves the baby Lily, surviving almost 14 hours, hanging upside down in the frigid cold and not succumbing to hypothermia. Then the first responders, including four police officers, heard an adult voice saying, help me, from inside the car. The psychic insight concludes that the voice came from Lily's guardian angel. Finally, the psychic insight concludes that staying positive is always helpful, but negative things are going to happen. What is the downside to remaining positive? As said earlier, I can't really think of one. I don't know, but I heard just the other day that fear is like praying for something bad to happen. On the note of Lily's story, I would like to also mention kind of the stories I've heard before of some miracles. And one in particular I remember is that these family dogs were barking for their owners and they were actually alerting the owners that there was a child who was injured. And I believe the child was in some circumstance that it was hard to rescue. So I think there's many different stories where somehow children survive in miraculous ways. And it sounds like obviously in this case, in many cases, that parents would do anything for their children. Yes, and uh, I guess as we mentioned earlier, miracles seem to occur every day all over the world. And uh, I think we just must accept that miracles happen and not be too cynical about it. 
I think there is this overlook that everything has to have an explanation, but this kind of goes back to the good deed of the craftsman uh, doing building the staircase, where some people just want to do good deeds. So I think sometimes people have to put a label on things saying it was a miracle, but sometimes people just want to do good things because they're a good person. Okay, then we got just time to mention the Facebook page and a few other things. Yes, we'll mention our Facebook page at Too Good To Be True with the first two spelled T-W-O and our Instagram page at W-O-G-T-B-T. We'd love if you guys contact us on there. If you have any suggestions for upcoming shows, any comments on today's shows, maybe you experienced a miracle. So we'd love to hear from you. And as always, thank you so much for listening and we look forward to next week's show. <laughs>